always only Jesus. I'm so thankful that we're in this series right now that we've got that remembrance in all that we're doing is that it's always only Jesus. Uh, this morning didn't go quite the way that I had planned. I was on the way to the church trying to get here uh, 40 minutes before even our 9.30 meeting so that I could set up some spaces and I get a call from the Lutheran church that the, the pastor um, that was supposed to be at their 8.30 service through some planning errors, was unable to be here this morning. So uh, Carson and I are on the way here, and I get the call and says, uh, can you cover for the Lutheran Church? And I, my response was, you mean for the service that started 10 minutes ago? And he said, yes. And I said, well, first off, pastor to pastor, I'm sorry you're having a rough day. Because that's, I mean, that's one of the harder things, I think, as a pastor, is being unable to be at your church when you're supposed to be there. And I said, well, do they mind if I come in a flannel um, because I'm already on the way? And he goes, no, I'm glad you're on the way. That's fine. And uh, so I came up here and, and I kind of walked mid-service into something not even knowing what their text or anything was for the day. And I heard it in the back of my mind, Professor Reborg, um, who was a professor that I got a chance to be with in my first year but then also many pastors for about four decades he taught in our seminary. So it's hard to find a covenant pastor who can't say at some point that they saw a Weeborg as their professor at some point. And so just this incredible man of God who's been with us for years. Uh, he actually battled polio as a child and survived, and uh, so he was never able to walk well. And so this just incredible man of God, theologian that we had the opportunity to spend time with would remind us, all we need is the bread and the cup, and that leads us to the good news. And that's all that we need. And as we go into this text today in Colossians, that's exactly what Paul is, de is describing for us. That all we need is to know who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We don't have to make it more difficult than that. We don't have to try and sugarcoat it. We don't have to add anything to it. That is the good news. That there is a problem called sin, Jesus came into the world. He was able to die on the cross for our sins. He was broken for us. He shed his blood for us. And because of that, we can receive forgiveness in him who is able to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's my message for this morning. Let's get a little bit deeper into it. God, we just pray that we can come to you. God, I'm thankful for your word, thankful for your truth. Thank you that we are anchored to it because it is the lifeline that anchors us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as a boat would never want to leave a harbor without an anchor, Lord, I pray that we never leave this place without you, without your word written on our hearts. Jesus, you are the one who is preeminent in this book. You are the one who came before. You are the one, Lord, whose I pray is preeminent in our lives, that you are first in our lives. Father, we pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to the message of your word and that it would change us because we are coming closer to Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Today, the, the title that I've chosen, I've changed it a few different times, is, is essentially why Jesus makes Christians great. And I know that may seem uh, funny to say, but the reality is Jesus always makes Christians great. And I think sometimes we try to be a Christian without Jesus. And what today's passage does is it's going to anchor us to this idea that we can't be a Christian without Jesus. And it may be crazy to even say that. 
But I see it all too often that we forget that our foundation is the bread, the cup, and the good news of Jesus Christ. As you look at just the history of mankind since the life of Jesus Christ, you can see that Christians have been at the foundation of, of so many important developments for our world. That this representative democracy came from the idea that all men were created equal and made in the image of God. That led to the abolition of slavery, the, the compassion for the weak, that we can understand that dignity and equality for men and women. That we can understand the necessity for education for the young, the rights of workers for fair pay, health care, introduction of hospitals. Where, where not, there was no such thing as a hospital that actually brought people in until in the 6th century, Christians started using their churches as place to care for the poor and the sick that no one else would care for. That was the foundation of the hospital systems that we see around the world today. We see prison reform. All these different things are find their foundations in people who read the word of God and see who Jesus is. It leads them to be different than what the culture normally is. As we look at the ancient world, and it may not be that all too different than ours, we can see that we live in a cruel world. It was a sadistic world. It was an autocratic role with, with kings and, and dictatorship leaders. It was filled with slavery in the early world, the time that Paul was writing this text. It did not understand equality of rights of hardly anyone. And, and women were, were put down and put into slavery, and they were not allowed to own land and be a part of the community. But Christianity came in with new values and new ethics. And because of this, people now believed what the scripture had said, that all men are created equal. So as we look at just some of the great people of history, we see so many of them have their foundation in this truth that Jesus Christ is the good news. There was a, a writer, Kenneth Scott, who wrote this. He said, through Jesus, Movements have been set in motion which have made in society for what mankind believes to be its best. Gauged by the consequences that have followed the birth, the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ have been the most important events in the history of mankind. Measured by his influence, Jesus is central in the human story. A well-known book that maybe you've read that's called What's So Great About Christianity makes the declarations that even an atheist every single day should thank God for Jesus Christ. Because our world is a different place. Our world is a better place because of who Jesus was, because of what he taught and what he did for us. So what makes Christians so great? As we see this text today, it brings us into this central idea and it gives us the answers in our text. We see in the beginning in verse 4 that Paul begins by simply thanking God. He thanks God for being the foundation that we work upon. That it's through Jesus that we can thank that we have this ability to know the good news. So Paul begins by saying thanks. We noted last week that what he was writing to was actually against some false doctrines. Some false teachers. People were claiming that you could have Jesus but you also needed more than just Jesus. We see in this text that he gives thanks because the reality is, if all you see in your life is problems, you're probably a pessimist. If all you see in life is rainbows and unicorns, then you're probably being a little optimistic. So we stand here as a church and we look at this text understanding that Paul is a realist. 
He's looking at the good and the bad, and he's seeing the necessity for Jesus in every single thing that we do. So Paul gives us these traits that we're going to look at today. If you're in the bulletin, you're taking notes. Um, I think there's a few blanks today that you can fill in and kind of follow along with this message. So how does Jesus make Christians so great? The first thing, if you're filling in the blanks, is this. They're exposed to a great gospel. You see, the first thing that makes a Christian so great is that we have heard the the great gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 5, Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. He says, you've heard this good news. You've heard the gospel message. If you are following along in Colossians 1 in your Bible today, you may want to take your thumb and, and, and find Romans 10. Romans 10 is kind of a parallel teaching by Paul on what he's writing to the church here in Colossae. In Romans 10, verse 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So he makes this recognition that you have heard, that someone has taught you, that at some place you have been given teaching on what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Then he says in verse 6, which has come to you, this good news, this word has come to you. And then towards the end he says, since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. And then verse 7. As you also learn from Ephaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister on Christ on your behalf. So once again, if you weren't here last week, Ephaphras was a citizen of Colossae. This was his hometown. At some point, he had heard the teachings of Paul, and we believe that him, as well as Philemon, spent maybe 18 months underneath Paul's care, receiving teaching on what it means to be a believer and essentially doing church planter training. He was preparing these people to go out and start other churches. He liked what he heard. He believed what he heard. It transformed him to being a completely different person. So he went back to his hometown to share the gospel, and he probably started by telling the good news to his friends You know, he started sharing the gospel with his neighbors. Maybe one day he was getting hay for his donkey, and he said, hey, can I tell you about this guy called Jesus? He goes, oh, I've heard about Jesus. I can do Jesus and do some sacrifices, and I can be forgiven. He's like, no, 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 that's not it. All you need is Jesus. It's always only Jesus. He's like, I thought that too, but I went and heard from Paul that this is the good news, that Jesus came, his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, and because of that, this problem called sin that separated us from God Jesus took care of it. All you have to do is believe in him. So he goes around, he tells people that he works with, he, he's, you know, when he's getting water at the well, he's telling people about Jesus. And he begins to start this church. And what I love about this story that we can relate to so well is that it wasn't Paul who started this church because Paul's Paul, right? Like he's like the best church planter in the history that there ever can be. You know, it's like Paul started so many churches, but actually he sent out many more people to start churches. So it wasn't Paul that started this church. And actually today I'm making the declaration, it wasn't even Ephaphras who started this church. You see, we look at like how a church has started. What are all the different dynamics? You know, I've done a lot of training in this. In my seminary degree and my master's of divinity, 
Specifically, my training was in start and strengthen churches. In California, we went to a church that was 148 years old. That was a strengthen. We were taking an older church and bringing them into to be a healthy missional church. This has been a church start. What is it that starts a church? You know, is it a, a social media campaign that goes out there and shares with people what you're doing? Is it the community service projects that we do? Is it, is it DJing dances for free? What is it that started this church? You know, if we were to look at that, was it certain families? Was it certain ideas? Was it, you know, a, a website? No, it's none of those things. As we look at what starts a church, and that's where we're at in this text, is the declaration is being given. The only thing that can start a church is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. It's nothing else. It's not because uh, even Paul says, I am not of eloquent speech. And I'm so thankful for that as a pastor every single day, that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be able to say uh, everything incredibly uh, profoundly that we can just come and simply share the good news of Jesus Christ. And just like the poppet, where we've got that hole inside of us, he can fill it and he can make us whole again. That's the good news of Jesus. So we can see this truth that was in this text, but we see that this is also a truth that we see throughout the New Testament. If you know the story of Jesus when he is with a guy who is demon-possessed, and it's that crazy story where he speaks to the demons and they say we are legion because we are many, and he casts them into like 2,000 pigs and they run you know, down into the water, and they, it's a crazy, crazy moment. But at the end of that story, in, in verse 9, it says Jesus did not let him go um, when he begged Jesus, Jesus to stay. He said, no. He goes, you cannot stay with me, but you must go. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much mercy he has for you. He says, so this man went away and began to tell in his town how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. You see, that's how simple this is. If you want to know how to go share Jesus with other people, you don't have to go to an apologetics conference. You don't have to go and get a seminary degree. It simply says, he went and told the people all that Jesus had done for them. Jesus has loved me. Jesus has forgiven me of all the sins that I've done, and I can experience that. That I know what it was like when I was walking far from God, and I know what it's like to walk with God. And I know what it's like for God to help me overcome my addictions. I know what it's like for God to bring strength into my marriage that I thought was going to be lost. You see, when you share with people the experiences, that's where they were amazed. The guy didn't come and share with them all this deep facts. He didn't say, hey, did you know that this guy, Jesus, he fulfilled like all kinds of prophecies when he was born. He didn't do that. They went and shared with people what they had done. You see, Paul uses this term, the gospel, over 73 times in his writings. He was obsessed with the idea of the good news. This is all he wrote about. Now, there's some other stuff around it, but he was focused on this idea of the good news. The good news is that we had a problem called sin, and Jesus came on the cross, and he was able to take care of that problem, and all we have to do is believe. So what's so great about being a Christian? Well, I can tell you what's so great about being a pastor. A pastor who's following Jesus Christ is it's the gospel. 
that, you know, I've, I've worked different jobs and, and I've been an IT project manager. And one of my first jobs my, that I ever got paid to do um, after cutting grass as a kid, I worked at a place called Skyline Chili. Who's ever eaten Skyline Chili before? I see a handful, a few hands going up. That was my first job. And if you don't know, it's really simple because you've got like basically two things that you serve. They've got chili, and it either goes over a hot dog or it goes on spaghetti with cheese on top. And that's called a three-way. And if you want a four-way, the question is, well, for your fourth one, do you want onions or beans? And if they say both, you say, oh, so you want a five-way. And it was actually really simple because our, our menu was so simple. My sister would go work at an Italian restaurant. She would take care of people for like two hours and get a $50 tip. Well, I could take care of like 12 tables because they were only ordering basically two things. And so I had a lot more customers, but they were only there for like 20 minutes. So I would get a bunch of dollar bills um, for my tips, but they added up. And so I made about the same money as her as this fancy restaurant. You see, that was a good product. I liked it. But you know what I recognize? Not everybody wants a Coney Dog. But that was my product that I had. I've sold different products. I was a manager at Macy's back when I was 19. Um, I've done different jobs here and there. I love the fact that as a pastor, what we get to share with people is the good news of Jesus. That's what we're about. We're not about anything else. We share with people the good news of Jesus. That's what we do. Yes, we send people on missions trips. Yes, we do fellowship. Yes, we send teens on retreats. But ultimately, all we're about is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people. That's what we're focused on, and that's what we do, and that's it. You see, what I love about sharing the good news of Jesus with people is that we are the only ones that actually have this eternal plan, that we get to share with people not just that it's good news for today, but it's good news that you can have for all of eternity. It's good news that you can have not just to bring you joy in this life, but the benefits package of being a pastor is absolutely incredible. But it's not just for me. It's for anybody who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ that we have the opportunity to be a part of this great kingdom and this great work that God has called us to. You see, I love the fact that I get to be a pastor, that I get to have the opportunity to share the good news with people. And that's what we do. If here at Rock Harbor we ever try to make it more difficult than that, then we're failing, and that's what this letter from Paul reminds us, is that's it. We get to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm so sorry, I'm trying up here, but my whole computer just uh, restarted on me. And so it's just been one of those days where just, we walked in here, I was trying to get here early, and things just didn't quite go technically the way that we were working them out. God, we're just so thankful that with all this technology, Lord, that, that you can make it so simple. And all we got to do is just share with people the good news of Jesus. As we go back to Romans 10, we see that Paul does a teaching that parallels the encouragement that he's doing here in Colossians. Look with me in verse 11. It says, as scripture says, so he's actually referring to the Old Testament here. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. He's declaring that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of what they had been taught before. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, there's so many 
sermons I heard, you know, around the first Sunday of the year on how to have a great life, how to make 2023 the best ever. Here's the top three ways for 2023 to have a better life. And it's so simple. If you want to have a great life in this world, hear the greatest message of this world. Hear the good news of Jesus Christ. In Romans, it continues in verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they call, how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. You see, here's what I love about being a part of the ministry that God has before us. And that's not just for the title of pastor. We call our church members ambassadors because we know that God has called us all to go out on his behalf. And the reason why this is such a beautiful thing is because, believe it or not, people argue on if a person coming to Jesus is the divine work of God or if it's the earthly work of a person sharing the good news. And what I love is the answer is what? The answer is both. I love the fact that there is a predestination, that there is an election, that the Holy Spirit is at work, that he is out there, but also that we get to be a part of this that we get to go and be on the team that shares the good news of Jesus with other people. You know, he didn't say go into all the world and hug people and smile and pick up trash. Now, churches do that, and we believe that's a way of loving on people, and we do want to love our neighbors, but he called us to go and do what? Share the good news of Jesus. So as a church, we will do beach cleanups. We've got one planned. We've got two planned, one in March and one in April, um, as we get ready to kind of prepare uh, for what God's going to do through our church for Easter weekend. We want to do all that good stuff. But we're doing that not because we think that that's the job. We're doing that because we want the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with people. So don't think that those community service projects are the goal. Those are the way that we love people in order that we can share with them the good news of Jesus. And I feel like sometimes churches get lost when those become the ministry. Instead of we do those opportunities for the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So God has worked at this. If you're taking notes, the second reason is this. Jesus makes Christians great because they experience a great Christ. You may say, Kevin, these are really simple answers. And that's actually the whole point, right? It is that simple of an answer. We don't need to make this difficult. I don't have to use a bunch of flowery language for how simple this can be. Verse 4 says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. You see, once a person hears its truth, whether they believe it or not, because many people have heard of Jesus, but they don't believe it. When you believe it, that was the contact point of your salvation. That was the contact point of receiving the bread and the cup, accepting the broken body of Christ and allowing his blood to be shed over us. So just like the Passover back in Egypt, when the, when the angel of the Lord saw the blood over the doorstep and passed over those houses, when you accept the blood of Jesus on your life, when, when God comes and we come into our time of judgment that will come for every single person, he looks at us and all he sees is the blood of Jesus Christ because our sins have been forgiven. I love the hymn that declares that we have been washed white as snow. If you don't know, yesterday for the first time in his life, our youth leader got to make a snow angel, by the way. 
they got a chance to see that, that white snow. I love the beauty when you wake up in the morning and there's snow just all over the yard. It's beautiful. And that's what he says we can have. It's not all the weeds and all the things that you can see if you look underneath it, but that we can be made white as snow when his blood is over top of us. Our faith that we have in Christ. In Romans, he says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, in verse 9, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Some people hear, and some people believe. But notice something as we look at this verse. It says that our faith is in Christ Jesus. You see, it's always only Jesus. It's not just that you believe something. There's a lot of people who say that. Well, as long as you believe in something, Paul is directly writing against that. We don't believe that you just must believe in something. Whatever you choose, whatever is good for you, whatever works for you. No, we believe in what this text says. That we must believe in Jesus Christ. One thing you'll discover in Colossians is that Paul makes a big deal out of Jesus. Because the false teachers were teaching something completely different. So he comes again and again and again to defend this and say, no, it's always only Jesus there was a missionary in the 1800s who uh, went to an island in the South Pacific. Um, it's called uh, the Venusia Islands today. And he went there knowing that previous missionaries went there and didn't come back. And it's exactly what you think. They were eaten. And he felt like he was called to go there. How many people would have gone on that mission trip? I'm guessing not as many. He was called to go there, and he went. And he went there, and he was trying to share with them the good news of Jesus. But he couldn't get through their language barrier in a way to help them understand it. So one day, what he did was, he, he pulled out a chair, and he sat in it. He goes, what word would you describe for what I'm doing right now? As he leaned back in his chair. And, and the person gave him a word that literally meant to place all your weight upon it, to trust it to hold you up. So he rewrote John 3.16, and it goes like this. I think I have it for us to read together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever places his whole weight on him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I love that. In fact, if you don't know, um, in the original King James Version in Acts, it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That that is what we do. That that's what the good news is. Is that you can fully put your life and trust on Jesus Christ. Not just the idea of Jesus Christ. Not just the believing in a philosophical perspective. But we can actually have the bread and the cup. That we actually can have the body of Christ and we can fully put our lives on him. And he is sufficient and able to take care of all of our needs. You see, some people, they try to look at, well, when did you become a Christian? And some, it's easy. They're like, I remember going to Billy Graham. That was my grandfather. You know, I remember um, walking up in front of a church. I can remember this moment. For other people, it's not as distinct. But when in your life have you fully put your entire life on Jesus? And here's the challenge is, 
If you haven't, you feel like, yes, I believe, and you're here, you're listening to this message, I get that. But you've come here and you haven't fully put your weight, everything you have on Jesus Christ. Maybe today's the day that God says, no, I want you to put everything on me. If you're taking notes, the third thing is this. What's so great about being a Christian is they exhibit great love. Notice again in verse four, I keep on, Danielle's like, Kevin, is this a typo? You keep on going back to the same verse and now we go back to verse four again. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. In verse seven, it says, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. See, people could tell there was something different about them because of how they loved about other people. And I want you to know that you are a brag-worthy church, that I am so proud of Rock Harbor, that God is doing such a great work through this church. And I brag about how loving our church is, that they allow people to come in from different perspectives or different backgrounds, and we have people come in here, and before they leave, they come up and tell me, hey, I just want you to know I got greeted by like eight people today. That's not normal. And I hope if you're new here today that that's your experience, that people seek you out and welcome you in because we're that kind of a church, that we want to be people who are known by our love. We said last week, we want to be known more for what we're for than what we're against. We want people to say, well, what about that Rock Harbor church? Well, man, they, they love Jesus. They love each other. They love being in the word of God. And you can always know that you can go to that church and someone will pray for you. Like, that's what we want to be known for. For so many churches, it's like, oh, they're that church who's like against this political view, or they're against this, or they're against that. No, we want to be known for what we're loved. You know, if I ask the question of, do you think our world needs love? I think we'd all hear that song back from the 70s again. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Is that it? I actually, yep, I think that's it. What we need is love. But also, what we're specifically saying is that love in itself is not enough. I was sharing with some people earlier, my friend started a church pre-COVID in Los Angeles called Hug Church. Everybody who came to church got a hug. And if you were lonely, you knew you could go to his church and you would get a hug. And then during the time of greeting, guess what they did? They all hugged. Hey, that's fine. That's actually one of the things I love about the covenant. We're all in the same family, just they do things a little bit different. Um, I love the fact that we do hug many people here, but a hug's not forced upon you. They've renamed their church since COVID. That's not a joke. He really renamed his church because they couldn't hug people anymore. You know, but all people need is Jesus. And yes, we want everyone who comes here to be welcomed, but we never want to make this too hard. You see, I love the idea of Jesus makes Christians great. It forces us back to the basics. And if you're taking notes, this next one is that why Jesus makes Christians so great is that we can expect a great future. That we can expect a great future. In verse 5 it says, Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven at your eventual home, of which you heard before in the word and of the truth of the gospel. He doesn't say it right here, but Paul's known for writing these three words all the time. Faith hope, and love. It's like if Paul were to describe to you the entire good news in three words, he would say faith, hope, and love. Put your faith in Jesus, 
you have hope for the future, and then you can love other people. He shares this idea all the time, faith, hope, and love. That faith, hope, and love, it's like his, uh, his shorthand description of what it means to be in the Christian life and to have the gospel. Our faith allows us to rest on our past and know that we can be forgiven for what we have done. Our love works in the present as we, as we love other people, and our hope can be for the future. That we know that God can be there. I mentioned earlier that I love being a pastor because it's such an easy product that we get to share with people. The good news of Jesus Christ. One thing I love about our product is it works universally. That you can share the good news of Jesus with every single language. You can share it in every single context. You can share it in every single country. Now some areas don't allow it or don't like it, but everybody wants to receive it. It's the only product that has been able to be shared for 2,000 years, and everybody who hears it has the opportunity to receive it. It's the only product that's already been paid for by the founder of the product. He paid for it so that everybody else can receive it. It's got good benefits package. It gives us forgiveness of our sins. It gives us peace and joy in our life today. And literally, the retirement package is out of this world the internal truth of knowing that we can be with Jesus, the hope that goes beyond today, the hope that goes beyond tomorrow. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. Let me explain that in case that doesn't make sense. What he's saying is, if our hope in Christ is only in this life, if we only had Jesus in this life, then this life of self-sacrificial living would actually kind of be a mistake. It's, he's being really honest here. It's actually, I've talked to other pastors this week, like I would never preach that verse. But no, it's true. If our hope is only in this world, then live it up the best you can today because this is all you got. But we actually live our lives with a hope that we know that there is a future. And it's not just about what I can get from me today. It's about how famous can we make him so that we can live with him for eternity. See, the good news that we have is that no matter the life that we've lived, we can receive that good news today, that we can receive his forgiveness, we can receive his hope, we can receive his love, we can receive his peace today. The last thing is this. What makes it so great to be a Christian is that through Jesus, uh, we get to export uh, great fruit. Export great fruit. You see, we get the opportunity to share this good news with other people. Verse 6 says, The good news which has come to you, as it also has in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. See, the Christian life is not static. The Christian life is not stagnant. It's not just a system of ethics. It's not just a religious ideology. It's the living, moving, growing, fruitful gospel that produces fruit in our lives. You see, we see this text and we're challenged. It's not just for us. It's not just for our church, but our declaration is that we share the good news with our entire community. I've mentioned, uh, you know, we, 
what we've done through the, the Bibles through Ukraine to so many people. And, and it's just been a joy. We got a picture back, actually, um, that I get to share with you this morning. So those are the Bibles that this church helped purchase. And those are the kids that received it. And the actual area they are right now is these people that are shown are in the Czech Republic. So these are families that have had to leave their homes to go to the Czech Republic. And these were pictures when Voice of the Martyrs actually did an event, um, and they had a meal, and they invited people to come so they could receive the Bibles that you helped purchase. This uh, little girl that you see right here, um, I actually have a quote from her mother. Her mother said, I am very thankful to all people involved in the spread of Christian literature in such difficult times. And she says that every single day with all of her kids, they go through a story in the Action Bible in their Ukrainian language that we've been able to send them. You see, what's so great about being a Christian is it doesn't allow us to be focused on ourselves. But when we focus on Jesus, always on Jesus, it pushes us out of this building. It pushes us out to be uncomfortable so we can share the good news of Jesus with people. All right, I got one last story for you. There was a gentleman who came across something for sale, and he really wanted to buy the product. And so he asked the person, well, how much is this? And he says, well, it's very, very expensive. And he goes, well, you know, I, I make some decent money. I can probably buy it. How much is it? He goes, well, how much do you have on you? So he starts going through his wallet and his pockets, and he goes, well, I, I, I've only got 120 in cash. He goes, okay, well, I'll take that. What else do you got? He's like, well, my credit cards work. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll take that. He's like, well, gosh, what else do you want? Um, he's like, I, re I really want to get this. And he goes, well, you know, wh where do you live? Do you have a house? He goes, yeah, I have a house. He goes, okay, well, I'll take that too. And he goes, okay, well, then I'm going to have to live in my trailer. He goes, oh, you got a trailer. Well, I'll definitely take that too. And he goes, well, that means my wife and I are going to live in my car. Oh, I shouldn't have mentioned my car. He goes, well, let's talk about your wife. He goes, you know, I'm going to take that too. And eventually he starts going through and says, okay, I get where this is going. You want everything that I have in order to receive this. And he goes, that's exactly right. You see, in Scripture, he talks about, Jesus talks about the pearl of great price. This thing that was so great that he was willing to give everything he had so that he could receive it. And I think when we come to that point of putting our whole weight on Jesus, as we ask ourselves, is that how much we desire to have the good news of Jesus in our lives? That we're willing to say, Jesus, I'm going to give you all that I have for you. Everything I have, I want to give for you. My whole weight is going to be rested upon you because our gospel is that true. So just to simplify this message is this. As a church, we want to be focused on everything we do is always only Jesus. If you ever see me making church more difficult than that, then hold me accountable to that. But as a church, that's our declaration. As we're about sharing the good news of Jesus with people, that's all ages, all people, all languages, all backgrounds, all mistakes, all sinners, all addicts, everyone who's done something wrong. I think I've got everyone covered at this point, right? That we want to bring it to everyone that we're able to. And yes, we've got our home. Yes, we've got our community but also the fact that our church has declared this year that we're a part of the kingdom of God and we're not just for our local community. 
We're helping people in Nicaragua. We're helping people on the other side of Florida. We're getting Bibles to kids in Ukraine. That God has called us to bear fruit. And that as a church, we are a part of what God is doing. Uh, today, we're going to come back here in 15 minutes. And we're going to get into the budget. We're going to get into the conversation of, of the future of our church. One of the things I love about a budget is its ministry in numbers. That as we pray on the direction that God's leading us, we see it come to life through those numbers on a page. And so I'm so thankful for this opportunity, and, uh, and let's come together in prayer. God, I'm just uh, so thankful, Lord, that you can make this message so simple. That, God, that you change lives. God, I'm so thankful for this incredible package that just keeps on bringing us back to the basics. If we confess with our mouth to Jesus, Lord, that you will be faithful and just and forgive us of our sins. So, God, yes, we want to be focused on living a good Christian life. But, God, I'm so thankful that we start with a great gospel, that we have a great Christ, that you've given us love for each other so that we can have great hope for a great future. God, I pray that, yes, you make our lives ones that impact others. God, I pray that you help us get the good news of Jesus to others. Thank you for paying the price, doing the difficult part, so we get to be a part of what you're doing. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand and close in worship.